Well, if you'd like to open your Bibles this evening to Genesis 27 again, we won't go back and read this lengthy passage that we read last week, the entire 27th chapter, as well as the first five verses of Genesis 28. But we do want to continue to consider some uh, lessons that are found here in this passage. We didn't have time to get very far. So if you want to have your Bible open so you can kind of scan through there as we make reference to some of the things that took place in this 27th chapter of Genesis and the first five verses of Genesis 28. In this passage, we have the account where Jacob receives Isaac's blessing by way of deceit. And we also see that Isaac was intending to give the blessing of the firstborn to Esau. And that's after Isaac already knew that it was God's will that that blessing was to go to Jacob. So we have a number of things going on here. And in all of it, we see that God is overruling. He's ruling and he's overruling in order for his plan and purpose, not just for Isaac and not just for Jacob, but for the entire human race. Because the promises that were given to Abraham that's now passed down to Isaac and will be passed down to Jacob They actually have to do with the eternal salvation of the human race. And so this was not something that God was going to leave to chance and to people's schemes and people's plans. God's will was going to be done. But that doesn't excuse the choices that the individuals in this account made. And so we want to look at how that applies and how these choices impacted their lives going forward. Now, I do believe, and Isaac was willing to give that blessing to Jacob for a meal, his favorite meal. And again, that's after he already knew that God had chosen Jacob for that blessing. And so clearly Isaac had failed to conduct himself in accordance with the revealed will of God in this case and in this situation. Now, I do believe, having said that, which again, people criticize me for saying that. But I believe that Isaac did repent of his lack of faith on this occasion and that he returned to a life of faith. If you'll glance there in Genesis 27 and verse 33, when Esau came back after Jacob had deceived Isaac and Esau was wanting his blessing, Isaac said, well, who are you? I've already given the blessing to the one that I thought was Esau, so who are you? And Isaac said that I already blessed what turned out to be Jacob. And he makes a statement, and indeed he shall be blessed. I believe that Isaac realized at this point that God had overruled his bad choice and that the one who should have got the blessing in the first place did get it because that was God's will. And so Isaac didn't try to change the situation, and he didn't try to erase the blessing or whatever it is that Esau wanted him to do. He said, Jacob will be blessed with that blessing, that one that was given to the firstborn, that blessing that belonged to the firstborn. And also in that passage in Genesis 27, um, then Isaac trembled exceedingly. And we're not given any reason, could be... Anger. He was angry at Jacob for fooling him. But because of his statement, and indeed he shall be blessed, I believe that his trembling was in the fear of God. 
God did what he said he would do. And so I, I do believe that, that uh, Isaac returned to trusting the Lord and acting in accordance with the revealed will of God. Later, we see that Isaac blesses Jacob again when he's sent off to find a wife in the family of his uncle Laban. And we know our flesh. If uh, Isaac was continuing to act in according to the flesh, he might have just written Jacob off. You fool me. I don't want anything to do with you. I hate you, and I'm done with you. But that's not what happened in the passage that we read in Genesis 27, and then uh, actually in chapter 28. We see that Isaac once again blesses Jacob and gives him the blessings of God. And so I believe that Isaac returned to conducting himself according to the revealed will of God. He spoke kindly to Jacob, not angrily, wasn't upset with him, but he, Isaac did what was in Jacob's best interest. Indeed, he shall be blessed. He knew that was God's will. And so, as I mentioned to the older saints of how this can be a lesson to us, the youth have their temptations and they have things that they have to face and, and the things that uh, they can easily fall into, the traps, but we older ones have traps we can fall into as well. And Isaac fell into one here. He was comfortable. He wanted that meal. He was about to die, uh, but he wanted that one last meal. Uh, so if we've been guilty of living solely uh, to be comfortable, just to get through these last years and not really concerned about what the revealed will of God is for us today, then we can repent and we can return to a, a way of faith and not, not settle into living by sentiment. Uh, that's kind of one of the pitfalls us older ones can fall into just to be nostalgic about the way things used to be. But that is a trap. Again, we are to remember the faithfulness of God in the past, that we're told to do that. But remembering the faithfulness of God in the past should only be a foundation for us to trust God today. The same God that was faithful to me in my youth, he'll be faithful to me in my old age. And we need to remember that. And so our, our decisions, our thoughts need to be in accordance with the revealed will of God. No matter what stage we're in, young, old, May we be found trusting the Lord. And when we come to the end of our days, like Isaac did, and as we all will, apart from the coming of the Lord, let's go to Psalm 37. And may the testimony of David be our testimony when we come to that stage in our life. And I'm sure that this was Isaac's testimony at the end as well. Psalm 37, verses 23 to 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isaac stumbled a little bit, but not forever. The Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, David says, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God will take care of us in every stage of life. Young people, children, you all have your own problems you got to deal with, and they're real, and they can be overwhelming. But the Lord will take care of you in your youth. If you trust him, you look to him. And then as we get older, sometimes we, when we becomes real that our 
strengths and abilities that we just took for granted and we could just do stuff, do stuff for the Lord. And now we see that slipping away and uh, it can be discouraging or we can go in another direction and just become comfortable and well, you know, just I'm done. No, may we know that God will take care of our needs today until he takes us home. He'll take care of us. And there are different needs at different stages, but the same God and nothing's too hard for him. So may we trust him until our very last breath. Now let's look a little bit at, at Esau's part in this, this account. From Esau's actions and reactions, when he just wept, he wanted those blessings. But Esau wanted the blessings of God, but he wanted the material blessings of God. Continually we see in Esau's actions and attitude and responses that he did not value the spiritual aspects of the blessings that were given to Abraham. He wanted the riches. He wanted the power. He wanted the authority. He wanted all that which was part of the blessings. And he wept. He, he, he regretted selling his birthright. He, he regretted. He was remorseful. But nowhere is there an indication that he repented of his attitude and his lack of faith in the promises of God, the spiritual aspects of those promises that were made to Abraham. But he desperately sought those blessings. Let's go to Hebrews 12, where we see God's opinion of Esau. So we're not left to guess what kind of man Esau was. God always accurately describes individuals. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17, we see what kind of man Esau was. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Esau was remorseful, but he did not repent. Later on, we'll see that he vowed to kill the man, Jacob, who God had chosen to bless. That's not repentance. He was so angry with his brother that he just wanted to kill him. And so there was no repentance. He wept over not getting the material blessings of the blessing, but he still was thinking about himself, acting according to the flesh. Esau is a good picture of that flesh nature that rebels against God. Now, as the children of God, we know that every one of us have already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But we can also imitate the attitudes and the actions of Esau sometimes and not fully value what we've been given, what belongs to us. God's blessings are enjoyed in their fullness as we rest in the faithfulness of God to honor his word. When you value the promises he made to, to you and you desire to walk in faith, not being a vain and profane individual, but being one who looks for the will of God to be done in your life. 
Now let's consider Jacob and Rebekah's actions and all of this and their attitudes. From this account, there's some things, interesting things. It's clear that Jacob and Rebekah's goal was accomplished by their scheme of deception. They got what they wanted. But we must not make the mistake of thinking that God approved of or ordained the way that they got it. And again, there are those that disagree with me on that. But God does not need our deception for his will to be accomplished. This is simply a picture and an example of God overruling men in order to accomplish his will, which ultimately was bringing in the Savior into the human race. He's not going to leave that important thing to man. The proper conclusion that we can arrive at is that God always fulfills his purposes, always. Men cannot annul. Evil men can't annul it. God's people can't mess it up. His will will be done. And so when you study the word of God and you see what God has said he has planned for his people, those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ, know that those things will be accomplished. He will always accomplish what he said he would do. From this passage, we can understand that Isaac was really blind. He could not tell the difference between the skin of a goat and his hairy son Esau. That's pretty blind. And we can also understand that Esau must have really been hairy. That's a hairy man. Now, I've known some hairy men, and sometimes they do look like that. So, And then another thing we can understand is that Rebecca must have been a fantastic cook because she was able to make goat meat taste like venison, and Isaac couldn't tell the difference. So there were a lot of things that were interesting in this, this passage, and yet once again we see God, no matter what men do, God is going to fulfill his promises. Jacob received the blessing that he and his mother worked so hard to get and came up with this elaborate scheme of deception But what we will find out is that it came at a cost. And that cost was Rebecca never saw her beloved son Jacob again in her lifetime. Loved him. That's why she schemed to do this. And yet because of all of this, Jacob had to leave and she never saw him again. Jacob was banished to what would be a life of hard work and mistreatment at the hands of his uncle because of this deception because now Esau hated him and wanted to kill him. So there are consequences for the individual. Again, God's going to do his will. But as individuals, we are responsible for our choices. That's not an excuse for us. We are accountable for the choices that we make, and there are consequences when we do not conduct ourselves according to the revealed will of God. And that becomes clear in these accounts that we read in Genesis. We... As men and women of faith, we must learn that God does not need us to make his will happen. We need to trust him that he will do his will and that we will be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to do what we need to do, when we need to do it, and how we need to do it. It's utter dependence on him. This is why we need to know his will as revealed in the word of God. This is why we need to pray, ask the Lord for direction. What are the choices I need to make? What should I do? How should I do it? When should I do it? And just acknowledge that we are fully dependent on him. And this is where a lot of our anxieties, I know mine, I know my personality and the way that uh, I like to plan things. 
But I have learned over the years, there's certainly nothing wrong with planning. In fact, it's prudent to do what's in your power to do after you've sought the wisdom and the direction of the Lord. You should do that. But then we need to understand that our life is in God's hands. And you can plan all day if you want, but you can't plan for everything. And our peace is not in our plans. That's not where we have peace or joy. Our peace and joy is found in knowing that he has a plan, that he has a purpose in everything. All things work together for my good, even those tragic, unwanted things. That's our joy. That's our peace. He's in control of my life. My responsibility is just to acknowledge my dependence and then to throw myself on his faithfulness. Jacob is going to learn that lesson. Uh, It's going to be painful, (laughs) but he's going to learn to cling to the Lord in his weakness. We need to do that now. We need to understand that now. God doesn't need our carnal means to make his will happen. May we be sensitive. Let's, let's read Exodus 33 and verse 12 to 17. May we have the same attitude that Moses had in this 33rd chapter of Exodus. Exodus 33 and verses 12 to 17. Then Moses said to the Lord, See You say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence, God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. May we imitate Moses' faith. We're not moving. We're not making a decision. We're not doing anything unless you go with us, unless you go before us. And God honored Moses' faith, and God honored his word, and he led Moses and the people of Israel through the wilderness, provided for their every need, and then ultimately led them in. Those that were willing to believe the promise led them into the promised land. And God will do the same to you and for you if if you have that attitude. Lord, I don't want to make a decision today unless you give me direction, unless you go with us. There, the Apostle Paul exhorts us to be led of the Spirit. That was something he had to learn. He, he wanted to go to Asia. For a good reason, he wanted to go preach the word. That's always a good reason. But it wasn't God's time, and it wasn't the will of God for him to go at that time. And so he was sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit that said, No, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to Macedonia. And he obeyed the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We, we need to do the, the same thing and not just think we know what to do or how to do it. Well, let's close with Second Chronicles 20 and verse 12. And May this always be our prayer. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? They were surrounded, Israel was surrounded by an alliance of enemies. 
it looked like they were clearly going to be wiped off the face of the earth because they were just outnumbered. O God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. May that be our attitude as well. In every decision, in every trial, in every circumstance that we can't understand, and it just seems overwhelming, what am I going to do? May we make this our cry before the Lord. Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it, but our eyes are upon you. We look for you for that direction. Jacob and Rebekah would have done well to remember that. Jacob will learn this lesson, but he had to go through some things first. We can learn from his experience. So we don't have to go through some of the painful things that he had to go through. Well, let's stand. We'll be dismissed this evening.